0: Welcome to Sastery in the Making, the podcast that features the people who made the software world what it is today and the leaders who are shaping the future of technology. Here's your host, Matt Wallach.
1: Hey, welcome to Sastery in the Making. I have some questions for you. I want to know if you're interested in finding and servicing underserved and unserved markets, or why would you want to know IP information? In fact, what can you even do with IP information if you have it? We are going to talk about all of that and more. This is Sastry in the making. I am your host, Matt Wallach, and I am thrilled to be joined by my special guest today, Ben Dowling. Ben, how are you doing? Good. Thanks, Matt. Really pleased to, uh, to be here with you. Likewise. Let me tell everybody about you, Ben, because you've got some great stuff and a great background. Ben is the founder and CEO of IP Info. This is the most reliable, accurate, and in-depth source of IP address data available. I'm telling you, this thing is slick. We're going to talk about it today. I cannot wait to learn more about that. He's also the formerly the CTO of Calm. You've heard that, the Calm app. My wife uses Calm, by the way, Ben. So great job building that thing out. And he was an engineer at Facebook. So he really understands his stuff. This guy really has done a great job with IP Info. We are going to talk about all of that and more. So thank you, Ben, for coming on the show. Yeah, great to be here. Awesome. So tell me what has been going on with you lately and what's coming up?
0: Yeah. So I mean, the the main things are kind of two main things we're always doing at IP Info is basically making sure our data is great quality and improving the quality of our data. So that's you know, that will be a project that will probably last forever, right? There's always uh, ways we can improve it, additional data sets we can work on. So that's, you know, that's a big ongoing project is how we kind of generally improve our data sets. The other piece is how we make it easier for people to access that data. So you know, we originally built our business around our API, now we offering data downloads. You're making our data available on different platforms and different APIs that just make it easier to access the data. And so they're, the, they're kind of the two main threads around all the work we do is how do we you know, build out our data sets, make them even better and higher quality than they already are and how to make it easier for people to access that data.
1: Beautiful. So can you just tell me a little bit about what IP info exactly does? I mean, I know, of course, what IP address is, but that's basically where my knowledge of it stops. Now, I'm sure there are listeners who are a bit more knowledgeable on it than me, but can you tell me a little bit about what the product does and how it helps? Yeah,
0: Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, fundamentally, I guess we're a data provider um, that provides contextual information around IP addresses. And so you know, our main data sets are geolocation. So given an IP address, you: know, is this in Seattle, is it in San Francisco, is it, you know, is it in London? IP the company, so you know, is this a consumer ISP? You know, Say it's Comcast, is this a business? Uh, we do carrier detection, so is this a mobile carrier IP? Is it, you know, is it a is it landline? And then we do privacy detection, so does this look like a VPN or not? And so we, we try and provide as much context as we can around IP addresses. People use this for all different sorts of use cases, right? And so generally where you've got an IP address, there's not much context around it, right? You may see you know, a visitor to your website, you know, and a new visitor, you haven't got any context, they're not logged in. And so yeah, we can help provide more context in those situations. So you may want to personalize some website content. It could be something as simple as you know, saying, hey, you know, good morning in San Francisco or you know, good evening in London would be you know, a very simple personalization. Cool. A more complex one maybe maybe you're a book publisher and you're selling a book. Visitors from the US, you may want to send to amazon.com. You know, visitors from the UK, you may want to say send to amazon.co.uk. And that, you know, that's just an easier experience for the user then, you know, instead of having to them go and switch the Amazon. And that one might be user invisible, right? Um, they may not know that the link is different for different countries. And then you could even get down to the city level. So you could imagine a user experience on, say, a travel booking website. Uh, you know, if I went to a travel booking website, that may say, oh, you know, please enter your nearest airport or you know, tell me where you're flying from. And that would be my first experience. Whereas instead, you could use IPG location to say, hey, yeah, you know, we know this guy's in Seattle, right? SeaTax is nearest airport. Let's just show him, you know, hey, here are the flights that are leaving from SeaTac over the next 24 hours, say. So that kind of improves the user experience. That's one place where there are obviously IP addresses, right? Visitors to websites, they they have an IP address, they're connecting to the website through an IP address, and we can provide contextual information that just kind of helps with the user experience. Uh, There's lots of other places that have IP addresses and want to enrich them. So say cybersecurity use cases where maybe, you know, somebody said, oh, yeah, we've seen five failed login attempts from this IP address, right? They may want to go a deeper investigation. Is this wow. um, ISP in Russia that you know, has, has tried this 10 times before? Maybe we want to block that at the firewall level. E-commerce, uh, risk and, and fraud as well, right? So you know, someone's trying to buy this thing and they're trying to ship it somewhere. Does, their, does the IP address sort of match the region that they want to ship it? If it doesn't, it may still be a totally legitimate transaction, but it's an interesting data point to say, okay, you know, maybe we need to be more careful with this transaction. Maybe we need to kind of do something differently about it. Or, if everything lines up, we can say, hey, you know, this is risk free. We're just gonna ship this and give the user the best experience.
1: Wow, that's really cool. The amount of stuff that you can know about somebody is amazing. Is this something also that maybe a marketing team might observe and wanna take a look at and say, hey, we've got a, a lot of people from here. Or we've got a big focus in this industry. Or are they able to kind of aggregate this and see it all?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I
1: mean, marketing is another, another big use
0: case as well. And so, you know, that could be in terms of collecting data. Up front, you know, to kind of segment users and do different things. And so, one yeah, use case there would be, you know, say for every sign up you got to your website, you may ask the user, hey, where, where are you based, right? Whereas you could also kind of passively collect this from the sign up IP. And then you could maybe do a mailing campaign, right? You could say, hey, I'm going to send an email to all of our users in San Francisco telling them about, you know, some event that we're having there. Or, you know, maybe want to do a test with users in San Francisco and email, you know, oh, hey, here's all I use in San Francisco versus, you know, maybe want we'll to send a different campaign to someone in different locations. So, yeah, absolutely. Lots of different marketing-based use cases as well.
1: That's just amazing. I think that's so cool what you're doing, Ben. So, what gave you the idea to start this company?
0: Yeah, so I actually started as a side project. I had no ambitions for kind of growing it into a business, and and you know this being my kind of full focus. And so, you know, what happened was there was your know, geolocation data sets were publicly available. You know, but you had to download it, set it up in your server, jump through a bunch of hoops. And I'd been working on a few different projects and had to kind of jump through those hoops a bunch of times. And I was in the process of setting up a new one. Uh, I think the data had got outdated on one server. And so I thought, well, look, you know, I, I don't want to do this like a fourth or fifth time, right? Instead, I can just do this on one server, set up a really simple API, and I can just call that from all these different places. It's going to save me some headaches. That could save some other developers some headaches. And sort of launched that as a free service, posted it in you know, various online forums on the Stack Overflow, right? A bunch of questions like, hey, how do I, you know, how do I get the location from an IP address? You know, how do I do this? And so, you know, I jumped in and said, "Hey, you know, I've set up this free API. It's made my life a lot easier. Uh, here's how you use it. You know, it's free to use. It's really easy." And thought it might help out, you know, a few developers, a few hobbyists that you know were sort of doing things at a small scale like I was. And very, very quickly, it started getting a lot of traction and a lot of users. And so then I thought, well, hey, why don't I try some paid plans, right? See, you know, the cost of the servers was kind of growing quickly. I thought, well, let's launch some paid plans, see what happens. And then very quickly, we started getting some paid customers, which was great. And then what happened was we started getting some feedback about the data. So at this point, your whole business was, hey, this data is available elsewhere, right? We're not a data provider. We just wrap that up in a way that's really developer-friendly, really easy to use. It's easy to get set up. You know, it it kind of saves you a bunch of effort, but we're not kind of in the data space at all, right? We're just making it easy to use other data you can get. And then very, very soon after that, we started getting more and more feedback, but like, hey, you know, you've got my location wrong. You know, it says San Francisco, but really I'm in San Jose, right? Uh, You know, sometimes even worse, right? Like you're saying I'm in the US, but I'm actually in the UK. And so we we get more and more of this feedback. And initially we said, hey, you know, it's not our data, right? We we make it really easy to use, but you know, we're not in the data space. But then we noticed actually like there's an opportunity here for us to improve this, right? We've got people coming to us saying, we love your service. We love your API, but you know, your your data needs improvement. And so then we set out on, okay, look, you know, we've got users that love our product. How do we make the data even better, right? Which, Which kind of helps them do what they're trying to do. And then we thought, oh, this will be really easy. We can build, you know, our own geolocation data set. You know, we'll we'll be done in a few months and and it will be ready. Uh, And it's been many, many years, right? And it's been a lot of hard work, but, you know, we've come a long way. And then, you know, the same thing has happened with other adjacent data sets, right? So initially we're focused fully on the geolocation, did a lot of hard work to get that. So it's in a a really great place. And we have, you know, really world-class data now. And then customers came to us for other things, right? Like, hey, you know, this data is great. You're telling me that this guy's in San Francisco, but actually, like, we've got some signals that think he may be on a VPN. and so you know it'd be great to get that context as well, right? Maybe you know, for the e-commerce example, right? If someone's shipping something to San Francisco, the cards in San Francisco, the IPs in San Francisco, this looks like a you know, low chance of it being fraudulent. But if they're on a VPN in San Francisco, that totally changes the dynamic, right? It could be some guy yeah. totally somewhere else that's on a VPN. And so you know, we've built out additional data sets based on you know, a lot of feedback from customers saying, hey, we love what you're doing. We'd also love to know this. And obviously we've, you know, we've built up a lot of expertise and stuff in the IP address data space. We've got a lot of the raw ingredients and, you know, these have been great fun projects to work on. Like, okay, yeah, let's, let us see if we can kind of help ship a, a VPN detection product. And you're iterated on lots of products like that. So carrier detection, all these things. And then have really kind of grown our expertise around the data.
1: Isn't it funny how once you put out a product or a piece of the product and you get more customers, now they come to you with more needs, more requirements, more wants. And now you have to build something else. It's so funny how I've always thought when we're building out our products, oh, if we just had this one thing then we're going yep. to be good to go and everybody's going to love it. And then once you get that, now that we have that, now there are new things that we need. Now we need this and this. It's so funny how development works. 100
0: Yeah, it's interesting really, because, like I said, initially, we're just like, hey, we'll just build an API, right? This will be, you know, maybe the, maybe the market's like 100 or 1,000 hobbyist developers, right, that might use it. And then, oh, well, now we're in the whole world of, you know, geolocation data. But then, you know, even with a VPN product, it's like, okay, yeah, sure, we can detect VPNs. And then, you know, but each product sort of grows, right? So people are like, oh, but can I get the context around the VPN, right? Can I get the name of the VPN provider? Or can, you know? And so each of these things kind of can bloom into a bigger and bigger thing, which is exciting, right? It means there's more and more opportunity. Also means the challenge is kind of staying focused, right? You have to be like, okay, there's lots of new exciting ideas that our customers have where we're like, you know, we think we can help with this. But like, hey, does, you know, does this stray too far away what we're really good at? You know, is this going to help just this customer or, or hundreds of others? Um, and so kind of weighing up these opportunities can be tough as well, but it's a good problem to have.
1: It's a very good problem to have. And that's something that I face with some of my companies. And it's interesting because you have to kind of dynamically look at where do we need to focus and where do we really want the product to go? How did you guys determine which avenue to take and which feedback to... This is something I actually posted about you know, maybe yesterday or, or a day before somewhere in there about how do you get the right feedback? How do you take that feedback? Where do you get it from? How do you determine which feedback to act on and which to kind yep. of say, well, we're not going to do that. How have you guys done that, Ben?
0: Yeah. So I think I think we've made lots of bad bets as well, right? Where we're like, hey, you know, we think this thing's gonna be huge. We're gonna build this. This customer's gonna love it. And there's gonna be hundreds of others. And you know, more often than not, we've been right. That one customer does love it, but it turns out like it was too niche, right? It just worked for them and there weren't others. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we've been, you know, oh hey, we'll build this, you know, this is an important customer. We're gonna make them happy. We'll ship it for them. And it turns out it has much broader appeal. So I think one thing is it's hard to always be right about that, right? You can kind of make educated guesses. Sometimes you can be surprised in both directions. I think mean, also one thing that's really helped us is kind of putting a framework around like what is our scope, right? Mm-hmm. And so for us, we've had requests for all sorts of things, you know. So one of our things is, is your know, IP address to company where we'll say, hey, you know, this IP address belongs to this business. Well then a natural extension of that is people saying, Oh, well, can we get, you know, a bunch of details about that company, right? How many employees it has, all these other things, you know, on geolocation as well, or can we get, you know, currency codes and all these other things, right? And so I think one thing that has been useful for us is to say, you know, no, we're focused primarily around IP addresses, right? And so there's things that are one degree removed, right? Like the location, is it a VPN, is it something else, are definitely you know, within the scope. You know, and and we can imagine there'll be other data sets that we might launch in the future that sort of key off IP address and give more context. For now, we don't want to get kind of too far removed from that, right? We want to kind of stay sure. being able to cover a broad set of use cases. Makes you know, sense. And, and then I think that kind of helps us leverage what we're already good at, right? The data sets we've already got, the expertise we've already got, and there are ways that we can build that out, but it gets easier each time, right? We already kind of know the data sets, but it's relevant to a bunch of our customers we already have rather than doing something that's like, yeah, it could be a big opportunity, but it doesn't kind of overlap a lot with what we've already done, our already existing skill sets, already data sets. So that's been a useful way for us to kind of, with some opportunity to say, yeah, this, is, this could be a great opportunity. There could be lots of customers. This is something that we could maybe do, but it kind of distracts us from our kind of core thing that, that we're already focused on.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think it's funny how you started as a side project and Mm. then found out, wow, this thing actually has some legs. I've heard that story a few times. When did you realize, oh man, this actually could be my primary business? When did that kind of teeter-totter scale over to the other side?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I guess there've been a bunch of different inflection points. So I think initially there was no expectation. And I've launched, you know, tens of side projects and had very different, actually, you know, so I'm like, this is going to be huge. and like, nothing happens. Some um, <laughs> Where I've been like, this is going to be, this will be small and it's been more successful. I mean, IP info has, has been one where I, I had, you know, very little expectation. I thought it could be useful. You know, it was useful for me. I thought it could be useful for other developers. I didn't think it could necessarily grow to be a big business. You know, that wasn't the ambition at the start and you know, you'll have a team and us and will be kind of focused full time. And so I think there are a few inflection points. One was where it's, you know, I started charging customers and they started paying, where it's like, oh, wow, you know, this isn't just like a, a hobbyist thing that, you know, some, some other developers find find useful. Um, People you know, giving me a, money for this thing? Okay. You know, it, it, right, right. Like, wow, you know, this is, so that, was, that was a big inflection point. But still then it was like, well, this will just be great. This will be a side project that makes me some money, right? That was still then, you know, it was done, right? Like it was this great, easy to use API that worked and, you know, didn't need such any maintenance or anything. Then you know, there's another inflection point. I guess when like more and more bigger businesses, you know, it's like okay, yeah, well, we signed up you know the first ten customers that want to pay us. That must be everybody that wants to pay now, right? Or and this will be great; it will cover the costs. But I think when it just continued to grow, right, and then you're like, oh wow, you know, when's this going to taper off? And it didn't taper off, right? You know, things continued to grow, and then it's like wow. And then I think you know when we started getting the feedback, right? We started getting like people saying, hey, we love what you're doing. Can you improve the data? Like, okay, yeah, actually, this isn't just you know, a thin wrapper around existing data there's this big opportunity here to kind of provide context around IP addresses in a way where you know, data quality is really important, you know, API reliability is really important. And that is you know, like a, a sizable one opportunity that that kind of can warrant full-time attention, could warrant you know, building a team and, and building a business around it.
1: So let's talk about that. So how did you go about growing the business in those early days? What were some of the best things that you did along your path that really helped you get to where you are now?
0: Yeah, so I think the big initial inflection point was kind of posting about it to Stack Overflow, right? And that really helped get the word out. And initially, that, was, you know, that wasn't intentional, right? I just like, I built this service that, hey, it's good for me. You know, I'm a member of the Stack Overflow community, right? I ask questions, I post answers, and, you know, came across people say, just as I'm browsing Stack Overflow, hey, how'd you do this? It's like, oh, hey, you know, my service will, will help for this. And so, you know, it wasn't intentionally a sort of growth channel for us initially. It was just being on Stack Overflow. But then pretty quickly, that started being a really great channel, right? We would start to see people come and sign up and say, hey, you know, I found about you on Stack Overflow. Um, And your people would be Googling, hey, how do I do this, right? And we would then be the top answer saying, hey, come use our service to do this. That drove most of the initial traction, most of the initial users. And so then I became intentional about it, right? Then I was like, okay, how do I actually go out and find Stack Overflow questions that I can answer, right? And so initially, it's like, well, I think maybe I answered like the top two or three questions around this. And then you know I would I would go and find you know let's find ten more right where people are saying hey how do I and they get more and more niche right so first it's like how do you do IP geolocation and it's like how do I detect you know the country of the user in you know PHP 4.2 right <laughs> uh, and so there was this like long tail of questions and you know I spent a long time going through and making sure that we had an answer for all these and then also in some ways then you know I mentioned about customers saying hey can you do this you know we got to the point where I kind of answered all the Stack Overflow questions that were applicable to the geolocation but then there were your question saying, hey, actually, how do I get you know, the ISP of the user over an API? And it's like, hmm, you know, I wonder if we can do that. And so you know, we would speak to some existing customers, would this be useful for you? And they'd be like, yeah, that'd be great. And you kind of go build it, you know, then answer it on Stack Overflow. And that kind of gives you, you know, a whole new sort of influx of,
1: of users. That's really cool. So I love that you really pointed at one of the things that I talk about with my clients of, hey, figure out where your market is. Where are they congregating? Where are they living? and go there and start interacting with them. You did that. Your market is developers. Developers are on Stack Overflow. You went there and just kind of showed what you can Mm -hmm. do to help them. You didn't intend it to be a business at the time. However, that's the exact right way to do it. And that's why it took off for you. I love it. And that's something I preach. So it's great hearing it happen in the real world that, hey, this is awesome. You found that you had a great solution for something that people are struggling with you went to where they were congregating, you posted about it, you talked about it, you showed value. And from there, it blew up. Obviously, there was a little bit more than the yada, yada, yada. But I love that you did it all of the right way. So what I want to ask you now is the flip side, just to make sure we can help some of the people out there who are building companies getting going now, what are some of the steps you took that you wish you would have done differently as you were getting going?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think it's hard in hindsight because you're like i'm pleased with the trajectory we've had i'm pleased where we are i think one of the most challenging things i think in in sort of growing a business is trying to figure out what's important that you need to focus on and what you can sort of worry about later right because i mean i guess over the longest time almost everything's important or you know there's enough important things you know the stuff that obviously is important you never need to worry about there are things that i think people worry about and you know in some of the early days maybe i worried about a lot like oh we've got you know We've got to get our corporate structure set up, or we've got to dial in our, our pricing plan, or you know we're closing this deal. And we've got to make sure we've got all the terms right, and and there are you know so many things that just ended up being a huge waste of time. Right, I remember we closed a customer in China early on. It was one of the first sort of you know a lot of the, the businesses self serve, and then some of our customers we you know do enterprise contracts for, and we had this customer in China, and they. Uh, they asked me, they said they need the chomp on the, the contract. And I, I said, what's a chomp? And it turns out it's this like corporate stamp. And like, I literally ordered a chomp for the business, right? And like, <laughs> oh, I, I, you know, I'm not a real business and we don't have the chomp. Everybody's going to want this chomp. And, you know, I had to order this chomp thing. Um, no one's ever asked for it
1: since, right? That, like, this is, I've been this is in sales a for a long time. I've never heard of that.
0: Yeah. And it, this was like my first big customer. I'm like, oh, it's so embarrassing. I don't have a chomp. I, like, how can I be a real company without, without a chomp? And so I, I spent weeks finding out where I can get a chomp. I got a great chomp. You know, I, I had to pay to FedEx all, the, all these documents to China, and thought that was really important. And like, no one's ever asked for a chomp since. And like, it got to a point where I would push back on these like demands and be like, "Hey, we don't have a chomp." And people are like, "No problem." It, you know, it's amazing how many things are like negotiable that you don't even realize. You know, I'd spent weeks running around trying to get a chomp. Uh, probably spent a lot of money on it. spent, you know. And as I got more confident in doing these bigger deals, and that you're like, I'd done more deals where a chomp wasn't needed and and said, Hey, we we don't do this. People are okay, fine. We don't need the chomp. And so I think that was an interesting lesson that I think I speak to some guys that are starting business where they're like, Oh, hey, like, where did you go and get all your website terms and conditions from? Like, I'm speaking to a lawyer. I I want to get all this done before I launch my website. And it's like, no one's going to care, right? Like, you know, these things seem really important and you want to kind of get things set up. You know, there are things that are really important, right? But it's, Ultimately, like, are you delivering value to the customer, right? And I think for us, one thing that served us well was like, just focus on making sure we have really, really great data, right? That's what ultimately helps the customer. Let's make sure our API is fast, is reliable, doesn't go down. And like, if we're focusing on those things and spending all our time on those things, we're probably doing the right stuff, right? And like time spent chasing down chomps and, and, you know, <laughs> sending contracts, they're often... You know, if people love your product, they're willing to make concessions and say, okay, whatever, you know, I can, I can get it past the purchasing guys. They don't need the trump or, and so, you know, there's lots of things that we wasted our time on, that we didn't know we were wasting our time at the time. But like looking back and I see, you know, when I speak to people that are like, Hey, yeah, I've started a business. It's easy to see some of these same mistakes where so it's like, don't worry about, you know, the trump, Don't worry about, you know, getting your terms and conditions on the website. Perfect. You know, that stuff you can always kind of fix later, make sure you've got something that really delivers on the value that your customers want.
1: I love it. So if I could package up what you just said there and that story about going to find a chomp is phenomenal. That should live in <laughs> IP info lore. But yeah. if I could package that up, essentially what would have really helped you is somebody who's been there, done that, and would know, Do you don't need that. Yes, you need this. You don't need that. Just do this. This is the way to do it. Sounds like that would have made things so much easier for you in those early days. It sounds like you're helping others kind of do that as well. Yep, right? absolutely. So that,
0: yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I think, yeah, having someone that, that can tell you know, if I'd have checked with anybody, I was probably at the time too embarrassed to ask, right? Like, ah, oh, everyone has a chomp. I can't believe I don't, right? But you know, if you've got someone to check with, like, hey, have you heard of this chomp thing? And people are like, what are you even talking about? Right. But I think also, yeah, if you've got someone to ask that's seen this stuff, I think that's a great way to do it. If you don't, I think a great way to do it is like, is this part of the core your know, value for the customer, right? Like if someone's saying, hey, you know, your data sucks and you need to improve it, like that's something you absolutely need to jump on. If someone's saying, like, hey, do you have you know, terms and conditions on your website? Like generally, customers don't ask those kind of things, right? They care about like solving their own problem, how you can help with that, much less of these things that at the start of starting a business, I think, seem really important. Getting your corporate structure set up, getting all these things that you know ultimately tend not to matter that much.
1: Yeah. So basically, you just plugged my business because that's exactly what I do is I help software founders figure out what they need to do and what they don't have to do. And so awesome. Uh, I love that you said that because it's so true. And I wish that I had had that when I was starting my software companies, that I had somebody I could just say, hey, should I do this or should I do this? Because I wasted so much time on trial and error. I wasted so much time on things that never mattered. And if I just had somebody who could say, hey, here you go, it would have saved me years of struggle. That's what I do is if somebody would have come to me and said, hey, we need a chump for this thing. I'm like, you don't need that. (laughs) That's garbage. You need to push back on them. You need to challenge them on that. And we would have found out a way to get the deal done anyway. So. Awesome that that was your experience. And sadly, we've come to the end of our time, Ben. This has been really cool. I've, I've learned a lot and it's been really informational, but I want to make sure that our audience can learn more about you and IP Info. So where would they go to learn more? Yeah, so our main
0: website is ipinfo.io. You know, that has an overview and we've got an about page that, you know, talks about what we do and gives an overview. We're on Twitter as ipinfo.io. So, you know, ipinfo without the .io on Twitter. I'm personally on Twitter as Codaholic, C-O-D-E-R-H-O-L-I-C. And they're the, they're the best place to find out about us. And then Stack Overflow. You know, if you search for IP info and Stack Overflow, we've still got all our answers there, and you know, a lot helped with all the different languages and how to get set up with us.
1: That's perfect. Yeah, definitely. We'll put that in the show notes as well. But Ben, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show.
0: Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. It's been great.
1: Absolutely. So thank you to everybody else for listening. Please remember to subscribe. Make sure that you. Get that button smashed so that we can see you every week because every time we're coming out with new creators, new innovators who are going to show you exactly how they did it and how you can do it too. So thank you for watching and listening. We will see you next time. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to Sastry in the Making. Join us next episode for another look into how today's visionaries are creating the next generation of innovation.